Welcome to another edition of the Champions Round Show. My name is Jason Gold, and as always, I am joined by Dan Titus. Dan, how are we doing today? Doing great, bro. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Uh, a couple of announcements from Champions Round before we get started here with some preseason week one action, and we're going to do a little bit of a mock draft action a little bit later. Uh, this will be the last podcast known officially as the Champions Round Show. We're going to change the name and debut that sometime next week. And we are also going to release a gambling show that Dan is going to be on. We are hyped for that. Uh, also, congrats to you, Dan. Full-time role at the Action Network. Uh, we're happy, that, to, happy to see you over there. I uh, love those guys over there. So if you want to see more from Dan outside of the two shows here, go check him out on Action Network. He's doing great things over there, and they always have the best the best bets to follow, all that sort of stuff. So keep it, keep it locked in with Dan over there. For sure. And we're going to be giving him more fire content here just because everything that's going on in the champions round on top of, you know, the, the handicapping that we can do here with the fantasy blend. It's, it's different, unique content. So I'm really excited for the future here. All right. So we are going to be debuting a couple of products next week. As we release our two podcasts, uh, we have three products that are going to come out sometime around August 25th. We can't we not wait for everybody to download the app. Come join us, play some cash games, win some money. Hopefully don't get beat too badly by your friends. If you're playing with us, you're probably going to get your ass beat, but don't talk about that too much. Uh, all right, so let's let's move on to a little bit of football. That's why we're here. We're firmly in draft season right now, and we got a little taster. We got week one preseason. We went all the way through. So I want to start with a couple of thoughts on the preseason. And first off, let's talk about some of the quarterback battles. There's five of them that are going on right now that are pretty hot and heated. Um, and after seeing a couple of the rookies play, I'm a little tempted to throw the, them into the fire starting week one. Uh, let's start in Chicago with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. Matt Nagy seems to have a plan where he is not going to play Justin Fields. He is firmly on the Patrick Mahomes. You're going to sit out a year track. But Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith, and this is not the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a team that desperately needs a spark. I personally think that Justin Fields can provide it. He was electric in the preseason week one. I know he only played a half, and he's playing against scrubs. But he still looked awesome. He's super dynamic. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Bears' QB situation after seeing Fields play in preseason week one? Yeah, what I saw was he came out a little bit nervous like any other rookie would. But he really settled in, man. He finished the game out with 14 for 20 for 142 yards and a touchdown. Did have one fumble, but he also rushed five times for 33 yards and another touchdown. Amounted to a 106.7 QB rating, and he also got the W. So, like, I think you already see what the upside is here. And from a fantasy perspective, and we'll talk about it with Trey Lance here very shortly, but I think that there's a play where – Maybe you don't have to get a top 12 quarterback in fantasy. You draft the upside of a Trey Lance or Justin Fields expecting that they're eventually going to take the field. You get a dual threat quarterback that's going to cost you much less than like a Jalen Hurts, a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, etc. And I thought what I saw was fantasy gold. And you put around him the weapons of David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. And I think you have a really good fantasy quarterback there in Chicago, which right now, Andy Dalton, I just read from a beat writer today that he's not letting up his his spot yet. It's his time. Uh, spoiler alert, it, it's been your time. Your time was in Cincinnati. Your time is over. It's Justin Fields' time. It's only a matter of weeks. So I think right now, from a betting perspective, I think it would be a really cool uh, bet to say, like, who, which one's going to start first? But right now, I think Justin Fields might have a slight edge. So I, I'm pretty sure – that based on every comment that I've seen from Matt Nagy, that Andy Dalton's going to start week one, which to be honest is like horribly stupid, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, there's no reason that you shouldn't put fields in there. And I understand yeah. he was with Mahomes. He was the OC for the year, the transition year from Smith to Mahomes. I get it. And he sees that he saw the success it had, but this is a totally different situation. Like I, I find it really hard to link up the two of those situations. It's very different teams. At di very different points in their arc, and they're very different players. Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith. This the Bears team does not have a chance to go like that. Kansas City Chiefs team went like thirteen and three. They were awesome. They had a chance to legitimately go to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. Like you don't change over them. This Bears team with Andy Dalton is trash. It's like a seven and ten team. 
if Justin Fields gets smoking, this is, could be a playoff team. You don't know. So I, I would play him earlier rather than later. I do think that your idea of drafting Fields or Lance late in drafts and then pairing him with someone who's going to start week one that's not exciting at all, like say Matt Ryan, like just get Matt, put in Matt Ryan. You're going to, you can get him in like the 12th round of standard redraft leagues. Like no one cares about picking Matt Ryan. He's like QB 15 or whatever. Go get him, start him for four weeks until Justin Fields is firmly entrenched. And then Fields is going to be a QB one. He'll be a top 12 guy the day he walks on the field, whether or not that translates to wins for the bears. I don't know yet, but he's going to run the ball enough. Like Hertz last year, Hertz completed 52% of passes. They were, he wasn't that good throwing the ball, but he was like a top four QB in fantasy because the guy runs and he scores touchdowns. Like that's all you need in fantasy. So I, I'm firmly with you on that idea. Yeah. I love that. And another guy that we can talk about here fields. And then we have Lance. So Trey Lance, for me, would be a little bit scary to put into that same situation. I'm very confident that Fields is going to start this year and probably start earlier rather than later. He'll probably be the starter by week eight at like the latest. If Jimmy Garoppolo is like actually healthy and good, I don't know that Lance is going to play that much this year other than situational packages. It kind of reminds me almost to throw back to the 49ers late in the day and use Alex Smith as another example. Yeah. Like when they had Alex Smith and they knew that they, eventually they would go to Kaepernick, they didn't know when, and they used him in running packages and he was fairly effective doing that. That feels like what Lance is this year, unless Garoppolo gets hurt. And then Lance is like, it's going to be like the full Wally Pip situation for the Yankees where uh, Lou Ger- or either Lou Gehrig or Joe DiMaggio never gave uh, the position back. So uh, I think that, Lance, it's a little bit dicier to go into that situation with him. But that being said, preseason week one, he launched like he looked like Mahomes out there with one of his passes. It was absolutely unbelievable. What were your thoughts on Lance and what do you think about him in fantasy this year? Yeah, I think when I first saw Trey Lance's, not only his build, but what he was doing in the, you know, pre-combine and like draft workouts, he really gave me Kaepernick vibes. And I think you saw that right on display. And it's not just because I'm associating him with the Niners, but Big arm, very rangy. The way that he runs, he runs like a gazelle, covers a lot of ground. But, I mean, damn, he had like an 80-yard touchdown pass. Finished the game, you know, five only five for 14. So he definitely struggled to kind of get a rhythm. He did take uh, four sacks, which you'll want to see. Obviously, that's him just getting used to the, the speed and the physicality of the game. But, you know, ultimately, I think you see his upside. The run game, the big arm, he's got the weapons with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, George Kittle is there. I think he actually makes this he makes this offense more dynamic. And Kyle Shanahan can then scheme, do more creative things in that run pass offense to really build out this offense. Because right now, we know what we're going to get with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a game manager, game manager, and really is just an extension of like an Alex Smith. Dink and dunk guy, but really can't stay on the field. So I feel I think Trey Lance's upside is really on it hinges on Garoppolo's availability. And I think one thing has been proven, Garoppolo can't stay healthy. So it's only a matter of time before Lance might see the field. I just think that there's more trust in the brass from a front office standpoint in Garoppolo than the Bears have for Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. So I think you're right. I think Justin Fields is going to probably be the rookie outside of the obvious Trevor Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson to really see the field as a rookie. Would you take... Fields over Lawrence and Wilson in fantasy, given his upside? Um, I think I would, because the thing about Jacksonville, I can't really get a read on all of their weapons. Like, I'm not investing in Jaguars on my fantasy team. As much as, like, they'll probably be playing from behind and have some really positive game scripts, I don't know that I can get behind Trevor Lawrence with Marvin Jones and DJ Shark and Etienne, Chanel, there's just so many players there. I don't know what Urban Meyer looks like. And then Zach Wilson, while I think that the Jets are going to be a lot better than they've been in the past, because anything without Adam Gase is a plus, right? Um, But I don't know what Zach Wilson's really going to be. He had a really good debut as well. You know, I think he he made some really nice passes. I think you saw what his gunslinging um, attributes really kind of what, what he got touted for coming out of college. But I don't know that I want to sign up for that yet. I think I'd rather invest in Justin Fields and or Trey Lance just based off of that 
opportunity with the, the assets around them in pretty good franchises. I had, I was watching Trevor Lawrence play his preseason game week one. And you ever have those times where you're about to send out a tweet and you're like, nah, this, this might be on old takes exposed at some point. I had one of those moments. I was watching him throw the ball and he was struggling moving around the pocket and throwing the ball down the field a little bit, although he had a nice completion to Marvin Jones. <clears throat> but I was like, he might be the fourth best quarterback in this draft class for a guy that we thought was one of the four best all time prospects. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that, at, yeah. yeah, the law of numbers though, like are all of these quarterbacks going to hit? Like there's been very notable busts in the top three, you know, of the NFL draft. So not to say that, like, I, I feel you. Like, I, last thing I want to do is be on the old takes exposed. But if you look at the eye test, man, I think there's just some other guys that just jump off the page a little bit more than Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is like, never lost in his entire career of playing football. So, I don't know. I don't think his scenario – a lot of this is, like, where you end up, your environment. Mm. And to me, that's not a winning franchise. Like, the when was the last time the Jaguars, the Jaguars were relevant? Like, Mark Brunel and, like – They had the one Blake Bortles year. Fred's oh true you're right you're right the one but outside of that it's been a but while but that yeah, team yeah. was really garbage that that was their defense right it was never an yeah. offensive thing so yeah at well, this point yeah. they did they did score like 45 against Pittsburgh and like the AFC divisional round or something like that but true, it was it like a really ridiculous game I don't I don't even remember yeah. I just remember it was like 45 42 it made no sense at all anyways my <laughs> point about Lawrence is like I'm not prepared yeah. to go there yet it was one preseason yeah. game like Cool sure. the Jets. I don't need to make my biggest hot take of my life after preseason week <laughs> one. But what I'm saying is there are reasons to think that maybe he won't be the best quarterback in this draft class. And more specifically, his, his attributes in terms of being a quarterback, tall, good arm, smart player, winning comes from a winning program. Like, does that stuff matter in the modern NFL as much as it used to? Like, I feel like like the the guys that are really succeeding, the young guys like the Mahomes and Herberts and Lamars and Dax, like these guys have one of two incredible skills. They either have unbelievable arms or they run like crazy. And because of that, the whole field opens up and they're able to complete passes. I don't know if Lawrence does either of those as much as we know Wilson has the absolute cannon and we know that Fields – and Trey Lance will be able to run all over the field. Fields actually has an electric arm too. And I, I guess Lance does also after seeing that too. So I, in terms of the attributes, I'm just not sure that, that Lawrence measures up, but he's also, he might be the smartest one on the field. And we've seen it with guys like Brady and Manning. If you're smarter than everybody else, sometimes it, it doesn't matter. Right. But that doesn't always translate to fantasy value, right? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah. so getting back, to, getting back to the fantasy point here, I would take Fields over every other rookie for sure. I think he's going to play Agreed. more than anyone else. Um, and I, yeah, you're right. Like I, I don't want to bet on Lawrence. I, I don't want to bet on the Jaguars' offense. And Wilson's going to sling the rock around, and I hope that he feeds it to Elijah Moore a lot. But like, is he going to be, you know, putting up like 30 touchdowns this year? I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, the I mean, was Corey Davis going to have? 10 plus touchdowns like i mean he's good but i don't know that i'm projecting him to go off elijah moore to go off denzel mims becomes re like i don't know about all that denzel mims uh wide receiver six on the jets and people are still <laughs> buying his stuff it's unbelievable all right we have uh there's three more quarterback battles one of which we'll hit on quickly uh, it looks like Carson Wentz is going to be back for Indianapolis maybe in the first couple of weeks of the season. So maybe this one is a little bit irrelevant. But Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, like, both <laughs> looked really good. Pretty good, yeah. Eason, Eason had the highest PFF grade for all quarterbacks uh, week one in preseason. And Ellinger just ran him down the field for a game-winning touchdown and looked like, I mean, he's played a lot of big games in Austin. He looked like he was ready for the moment. Um, so if... If Wentz isn't able to play, who do you like to go week one? And do you think that these guys have any value around the league now? Or are we just saying it was week one preseason, it doesn't matter at all? Yeah, I'm going to take it as week one preseason, doesn't really matter at all. But from a dynasty perspective, I mean, I think you got to feel pretty good about locking up Eason in there. I thought he looked he looked good just in terms of the fact that he seems to be ahead of, of Ellinger on the, uh, the, depth, the depth chart here. 
but I'm not really buying into any quarterback beyond, you know, Carson Wentz. And I, I'm, I'm pretty timid on, on my expectations on him as well, but you got to expect, you I mean, Wentz hasn't had a healthy season in, in about three or four years now. So there's a good chance that these guys could actually see the field. So I think you're, if you do have some shares of these guys, I think it's a solid bench stash to have in your reserve in the event that Wentz goes down, you might be able to plug and chug uh, for a, a, a super flex league, you know, two quarterback type of thing. But redraft, I'm staying away, far, far and away from any kind of Colts quarterback. Absolutely. All right, let's go over to New England. Cam Newton, uh, the arm's still a little shaky here. Uh, I think that he's probably going to start the season. I think that they probably feel a little bit more confident with him just heading into the first couple of weeks of the season. But it seems like, based on what we saw from one week, it's going to be Mac Jones' show at some point during the season. How do you value Newton and Mac Jones in fantasy? And which do you think should start uh, week one? It's a good question. I think Cam Newton still has a leash, but it's probably going to be a relatively short leash. And I think it's really going to be predicated on the fact of whether he can throw the ball. He couldn't throw. I mean, he was a beast on the ground. Like we saw, like he continues to be one of the top 10, top five, top three you know, quarterbacks in the red zone. And he's going to be valuable from a fantasy perspective. Like if you want to punt or stream fantasy quarterbacks, you still get the dual threat ability of Cam Newton. The problem is he just doesn't produce very, very many passing touchdowns. So if this offense sputters a bit, if they're able to run the ball, I don't see why they would go to Mac Jones just yet. But if they get down, you know, perhaps they're playing from behind a lot and Cam can't bring you back. That's when Mac insert Mac Jones, because I think we saw, from a preseason uh, matchup, he went 13 for 19 for 87 yards, did take a sack, but I'll be honest, like he was, he was accurate and, and that's what you need. You need someone that can move the ball down the field, hit the middle, the mid-level um, routes and, 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 and receivers, which is what Cam, Cam never had touch and he can't make those short intermediate throws, which I think Mac Jones has proven that he can do. So right now I think it's just an audition, you know, Cam Newton's got the job, but if he falters at all, I think that they'll turn to Mac Jones and, I think the New England the New England base is really excited to see him after what they saw in, in week one of the preseason. Yeah, I, I think that I think Max is gonna be the starter sooner rather than later. I mean I, I love Cam. I've won a lot of fantasy championships with Cam as my quarterback. Uh and I still think you're right, in the red zone, he still produces not only from a team perspective, but a fantasy perspective. But this is a passing league. And if you're not able to complete balls, I mean, the arm just it, it's unfortunate for him. It just seems like the arm's gone. Uh, right. There's not much you can do with that. You can be the smartest dude in the world. It's like, look at Peyton Manning the last year of his career, right? Like his shoulder fell off. There's no more timing routes on that. There's <laughs> only so much you can do uh, yeah. when the arm's not there. Um, so I, I think it's probably the Mac show at some point. I kind of like be- drafting both of them, especially in like a best ball league, just getting both of their sure. skill sets, throwing them as your QB2 down the roster. Uh, and I think that Mac will be – serviceable I, I don't think that you're going to get into problems having mac jones as your quarterback the upside is just not there at all um yeah like you would yeah, like you, you would have yeah, kim yeah. no go for it yeah i just, yeah, just want to add that uh there's also a weapons problem in new england as well right yeah. you got jacoby myers is primarily their main receiver right now at least he's the one that's drawing the most eyes in camp Nikhil harry's a disaster i don't like where who knows what that draft stock is gone uh, i think he's demanded one wanted to trade earlier in the preseason so wouldn't be surprised if he's not relevant but then you got like james white and that's literally and johnny smith and hunter henry but they're both kind of getting nicked up already so like i'd just be worried that they don't have enough weapons to actually produce fantasy value um respectively in in, in one qb leagues or redraft leagues right now unless you know they take the reins off and let mac jones just sling it but but i don't know that that's going to be the case i think it's going to be a running team yeah, I mean, I think the only strategy in, or one of them, I guess, in, in Dynasty or Superflex or 2QB, anything like that, is to take Cam late, hope that he pops week one, and then sell him right. immediately with the thought that he's going to be the start of the rest of the year. Uh, I'm only saying that because I have him in a, in a league where I'm depending on him as my QB2, him and a guy we're going to get to next, and I'm hoping that one of them pops early so I can get rid of them so quickly. Yeah, the next one's probably the most the best QB battle that we have right now, right? Because this is like yeah. a legitimate who is it going to go to? So yeah, so we're in New Orleans. We got Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. 
I have no idea what they're going to do. Taysom started week one. James is going to start week two. I don't think that Sean Payton's going to give anything away before the first snap of the first game of the regular season. Um, it seemed like Winston won round one uh, based on the stats, and the Saints kind of struggled with, with Hill at quarterback. But it's tough with them because if Michael Thomas was in, I feel like Jameis gets the job because they're going to want to p- pass the ball down the field a little bit more. Right. Without Michael Thomas in there, do they just give it to Taysom and just like, okay, we're running the ball 90% of the time. Like when Lamar came in the first year that he had, when he, they only started like six games and made the playoffs. Right. There's like, we're running it 80% of the time. I don't care. Stop us. Do they just do that with Taysom and Kamara? Or they're like, oh, we actually need like a real quarterback. Here's Winston. Yeah, it's a good question because I think we saw last year that like Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, even if he's, even if you scheme around him, not as a traditional quarterback, he's still really valuable in terms of scheming an offense and actually winning games. So he's not a bad quarterback by any means, but like Jameis Winston definitely gives you the ability to, if you're playing from behind or you need to get downfield, produce points. Like I think you could get there faster. You know, if you're not in a controlling the clock situation with Jameis Winston, he's a gunslinger. He's proven that he can throw for a lot of yards, can make those difficult throws. The problem with Winston has always been his decision-making. And I think he's so far reports have been pretty positive that he's improved his IQ, his decision-making, that type of stuff. So I got to feel like Jameis Winston has the slight edge on Taysom Taysom Hill, but at the same time, I think he's still going to be fantasy relevant. So if you're looking in the best ball draft, you got to take Taysom Hill as like a late quarterback, because even if he's not like the full starting quarterback, he's still going to have opportunities around the red zone to get you some sneaky points in a bind. So the upside is he to me he's one of the best handcuffed quarterbacks that you can have for QB upside. Like I mean, because we talk about dual threats, he can throw the ball, but he's really makes his bread and butter on the ground. And this guy, at the detriment of Alvin Kamara last year, he could really be a fantasy fantasy gold mine if he gets the keys to that to that offense. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm interested to see if Sean Payton will do a classic college two QB system because they do do such unique things that you can, you can utilize them individually. And if Winston is the quarterback, you're right. There's no way that Hill like doesn't have a role on that team as an H back running back tight end, whatever he's played with with Drew Brees. If Taysom is the starting quarterback and does this thing that he did when Drew Brees was out last season, does Winston have a role at in two minute drills, it, if they're behind, do they put go to Jameis Winston because they need to throw the ball a lot? I'm interested to see if he just says, "Screw it, we don't need a starting quarterback." All situationally dependent, just like we do all of our other players on the roster. Screw it, Taysom. If we're ahead, you're the guy. If we're behind, Jameis, you're the guy. I think they're both preparing for that, right? Because the fortunate thing is they've both been in. You know, Taysom Hill's never had the full-time job. So he's always been in this ready mode, like, yo, uh, I need you in this situation. Uh, Jameis Winston's been playing this, you know, this game of, am I a starting quarterback? Am I not? Like, so I feel like they're both ready to go, which is going to be a very interesting test case for, can they actually run a two-quarterback system in some form or fashion and actually find success? Um, I think that's it. We're, I think we're going to see it. I, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, the Saints... For uh, as a team that I have not uh, for a long time been interested in watching that much, I know what's going to happen. Drew Brees was there, Kamara's there, Michael Thomas is there, whatever. Right now, I you give anything's going to happen, so I'm super excited to see what they uh, what they have going down in New Orleans. Uh, last thing before we move on to our little mock draft, uh, were there any players that really stood out during Week One uh, from a fantasy perspective that we might want to buy in on? Yeah, I think you got a backup running back here that you know isn't commonly mentioned in the handcuff territory. He's definitely mentioned in in dynasty formats, but I think we need to start concerning him for redraft. And that's Chuba Hubbard, uh, Chuba Hubbard. And this dude broke off like a sick, you know what, eighty plus yard run, yeah. ran through the tackles, busted a few. And I think that this is like, I mean, to me, Christian McCaffrey hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. Right? He's got a lot of tread on his tires in just a short amount of time. And we know the volatility at the running back position. If he goes down, it's his backfield. So to me, I think you got to start ranking him in the Tony Pollard, the 
Alex Matt Alexander Madison, you know, categories of backup stashes to, to handcuff. I find that very not only interesting and compelling, but I would definitely do the same thing yeah. because of McCaffrey's injury history, and they don't really have a backup beyond Hubbard. And right. Hubbard was a guy that Matt Rule specifically targeted in the draft. This is a guy he wanted, who he played against in the Big Twelve, who he respected Great his point. game. And I think that, yeah, you're right. If McCaffrey goes down, I think Hubbard's going to step right into that role, just like Mike Davis. He's going to end up being an RB1. Great so, I, yeah, I, I definitely uh, – I'm with you there. Uh, a couple of guys who stood out to me. Uh, Terrace Marshall looks like a monster already. Beast. So, sticking stick with the Panthers, he's going to be their third wide receiver. If either DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson goes down, like, Marshall could have a massive year. And don't forget, like, when they had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase at LSU, like, Marshall was still producing big games. So he's a, definitely a talented wide receiver. Uh, KJ Hamler had a massive game against the Vikings. Drew Locke actually looked surprisingly good, which is a QB battle we didn't talk about because nothing makes me more miserable than talking about Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> and Drew Locke. Um, but but KJ Hamler looked good, and he kind of has like that Deshaun Jackson thing going on, which is absolutely taking the roof off of defenses. So something to look out for there, especially in mile high where Drew Locke can launch it about 70 yards. And uh, the last one was a super, super, super sleeper that I talked about probably on our draft podcast, but former UCLA running back Demetri Felton had uh, four catches for 55 yards for the Browns. Uh, playing, wide, playing wide receiver and not running back. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Browns wide receivers. Donovan Peoples-Jones also looked really good. They got a bunch of bodies there. But if they need kind of this combo back, uh, I think that Felton has a small role, and I would be buying him in Dynasty Leagues because uh, I think that at some point he's going to have a big breakout for the Browns this year great point i mean nick chubb he got hurt last year and you know we saw other names like dearness johnson getting getting time last year so you know there's definitely a path to playing time if someone goes down just want to go back to terrace marshall real quick you know curtis samuel had 97 targets last year with a healthy robbie anderson and dj moore so i think you could slot him in as a legitimate wide receiver three he should be rostered in redraft formats just off the strength of the fact that they don't really have a red zone target right now and DJ Moore, while he gets all of the yak yards and can really beat you um, in between the seams, he doesn't really have that red zone potential. Neither does Robbie Anderson. He's more of the big, big play, deep hitter. So I think if you get into the red zone outside of CMC, Terrace Marshall is definitely a good option for them, just given his size, like 6'4", beast. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of upside there. Well, now I'm taking him one round earlier because you're in on him too. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move over. We're going to do a, a mock draft. First one we're going to do of this, and we'll put it out on social afterwards. Uh, we got 10 teams, half PPR, so we're going to go through 40 players. And, uh, Dan, you got the first pick here. Yeah, after I just talk shit on him too. I'm going to go to <laughs> <laughs> I think if – I mean, we're talking half point PPR here. You know, injuries don't exist. Everything's created equal. This is the best player in fantasy football, just in terms of sheer volume. The offense runs through him, and it's only going to continue. This guy sees more receptions than your best receiver, as well as still getting running back, uh, getting carries into the volume of, you know, 300 totes a year. So I think if this guy can stay healthy, he's the bona fide number one player off the board. So don't think twice about it. You know, you could go with a Dalvin Cook. Sure, that's great has a little bit less mileage, but I think CMC has proven that he can be fantasy fantasy's best player. So I got to take so, one overall. CMC is a clear number one for me. Also actually number two was tough for me. I had, I'm pretty split on what to do here uh, between Kamara and cook. And the reason that I'm going to go Kamara here is just because Michael Thomas is out. And I just think that his receptions that he's going to get in the first eight, eight weeks of this season is going to push him past Dalvin Cook. Now they're going to stay at the box about around the Saints running game. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be, so that obviously that could be an issue. Cook is a little bit safer, I would say, but I think the upside in Camaro without any of the other weapons there uh, and his speed and versatility, just how good he is as a player, uh, I'll take him at number two and try to take the upside. Yeah, I mean, look at what Camaro did last year. You know, for the first, you know, but before that suspension, uh, before he got the actual time. Um, as Latavius Murray was working his way back, you know, this guy was fantasy beast. You know, he was the, he was the RB one for such a long time. And I think with Drew Brees gone, they got to depend on the run a little bit more, especially with that uncertainty at the quarterback position. So 
makes a lot of sense. And I, I like it. I like the boldness of taking Kamara number two. And I got to take Dalvin Cook. I'm surprised that he would fall to three. But at this point, you know, you're, if you're looking at volume and a true three down back, there's only so many of them in the NFL right now. And Dalvin Cook is one of them. With this offense, you know, you have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson on the outside to really keep defenses honest. But Dalvin Cook is, is very effective in the pass game just as much as he is in the run game. And for me, I think he's a bona fide top three pick. No matter how you slice it, Dalvin Cook's got to be in that conversation. Absolutely. I would take Cook uh, three there ahead of who I picked fourth, which is Derrick Henry. The guy is an absolute beast. He's going to get 300 carries this year. He's going to score touchdowns from all over the place. I think that his upside probably is a little bit diminished that Julio's there just because I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more. But that being said, like his rushing totals and total rushing volume may go down, but his touchdowns may increase that they're going to be in the red zone more often. Also, it helps that the Titans defense might be kind of trash this year. They're going to have to, they're going to have to, you know, play a little bit more offense. He might actually get a, a couple more receptions in here. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with, with Henry. And I think that there's pretty clearly a top four. Uh, and then there's a, a relatively decent drop off from four to five. Yeah, I'd agree. And, you know, for five, I think that this is where the conversation gets a little bit interesting. I'm going to take Aaron Jones here because this is the twilight tour of Aaron Rodgers and potentially Devontae Adams in Green Bay. But one thing is for certain and determined is that Aaron Jones is going to get workload. This guy's had 1,400 all-purpose yards in his last two seasons, over 200 carries in each of those, but he's also very active in the pass game. So, you know, if you're looking for a stable floor, it's really Aaron Jones here. And, you know, he just got the bag in the offseason. Jamal Williams is out of there, which opens up a little bit more opportunity for A.J. Dillon in that uh, kind of a, you know, change of pace role. But I think this really runs through Aaron Jones. And we've seen with the Packers reluctance to add any weapons on the outside or really give him competition in the backfield. It's his. So I, I like Aaron Jones here at five. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually think that I would take Jones over who I took at six, which is Saquon Barkley. Uh, just because I think it's a little bit safer. Barkley, look, I, I could make an argument for Barkley going fifth. And I could also make an argument for Barkley going like, 12th right now well, given his yeah. given his uh injury concerns like i don't know if he's gonna be back week one two or three the giants offensive line stinks they have playmakers all the way around now like they have receivers so maybe he's gonna find less people in the box if daniel jones doesn't improve though like you're limiting the upside on barkley and we haven't seen him do it in a while so yeah you have to take the upside we've seen what he can do before he has legitimate uh abilities to be the running back one and maybe the best player in fantasy this year if everything broke right so you kind of have to take that upside at six but if you don't want to risk it with the injuries go ahead and take travis kelsey or jonathan taylor or joe mixon or zeke elliott like i get it i don't really have a problem with anyone doing that here yeah i'm i'm off the saquon train only because of that volatility man like he the offensive line, but that's the thing about Saquon is that we you can have a really bad running game, and he's still going to be very effective in the pass game, despite adding those weapons on the side. So, you know, I think he's still going to be poised for a really good season, but you can't deny the fact that he's probably going to be eased into his role at the onset just because, you know, he had that significant ACL tear and still making his, working his way back. But, yeah, get off the pup list, great sign, and I think he's going to eventually be in that top 10 conversation as the year ends um, so for the next for the next guy i'm gonna go with jonathan taylor we talked about him at length uh the last couple of weeks just because of all the changes that have happened between the announcements of quentin nelson going down and and carson wentz but i think ultimately it's, it's shaking out that they're both going to be ready for week one so if you were able to buy the dip awesome congratulations to you but i think jonathan taylor has to be within your first eight selections just because this guy he's young he's got the offense he's got a shaky quarterback which is going to definitely want to hand off the ball um you know frank reich has definitely showed a commitment to the run game despite having naeem hines and jordan wilkins also involved in the offense this this offense really goes as far as jonathan taylor uh can can take them so i think jonathan taylor probably has the the, the closest three down 
back upside besides Joe Mixon that's that's remaining in this top tier of running backs. And I know that might be a slight hot take considering that Ezekiel Elliott and Nick Chubb are still on the board. But I'll let you handle that Zeke conversation. I'll, we'll get there in a little bit. Uh, eighth pick overall, Travis Kelsey. Biggest game changer in the fantasy football game is having the best tight end in the league, especially if they're going to lap the field in terms of fantasy points. I think that Kelsey, You know, I don't know how long this is going to last, how long his run is going to be. He's 32 years old, but I don't think it ends this year. I think you're talking about another 90 reception, 1,200-yard, double-digit touchdown season, and I will gladly take Kelsey here. The only thing that it changes for me is you're going to have to take a little bit of risk on running back a little bit later if you take him the first round, and you might want to consider grabbing a quarterback a little bit earlier, a.k.a. do you want to pair Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey because that might be the best scenario if we're going to go tight end this early to get the uh, the double points there. But, yeah, if you want to take Kelsey anywhere from, like, six on i basically have no problem with it yeah i I mean you can't go wrong with taking kelsey in the first round in general just because you're getting positional value there because like he's there's only going to be a handful of people that are going to be able to win you weeks out of that tight end position and kelsey is more than likely going to finish in the top in the tops of that category each each and every week so it, it, it pays to definitely have that positional advantage over your your league mates all right, you got number nine. Um, let's see here. Austin Eckler. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of positive reviews coming out of Chargers camp. Mostly, though, Joshua Jackson or Justin Jackson. Joshua Jackson was this Mighty Ducks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but Justin Jackson's a disaster. He's on the roster bubble. Then you have Joshua Kelly, who also hasn't really proven out to be much either. And then you got their drafted rookie, Larry Roundtree, um, who could be who could find some fancy relevance. But all that to say, that's a signal to me that this is going to be Austin Eckler's backfield. You have a rookie to compete with and literally no one else. Your offensive line has been improved. We saw how Justin Herbert uh, can sling the rock. And you know that there he's still going to have some kind of presence, a lot of presence in that passing game. So you put that with his rushing upside here which is definitely had a lot to be desired considering he got, he got hurt last year, but in the times that he was there, he was one of the best backs in football. So I think he's, he's earned the right to be a top 10 pick. And I think I'm really excited for what his upside will bring in a full season, potentially in an explosive offense. Yeah. I love Austin Eckler this year. Uh, my 10th and 11th pick here, Joe Mixon will be pick 10. Uh, I love Mixon this year. I think his upside is through the roof, three down back. He doesn't have any competition. That offense is going to be playing from behind a lot. I know they have a lot of great receivers, and the offensive line is a little bit shaky, but if Mixon's healthy, I just think it's going to be a massive year. Number 11, Zeke Elliott. I think this is the point at which I kind of reach my breaking point and have to take him. Uh, he's not even the best running back on his own team, but the coaches don't know that, so he's going to get <laughs> fed. And, I mean, he's Zeke. Like He's going to experience some positive touchdown regression. He should have had like 11 or 12 last year based on the carries in the red zone. I think he'll see that go up. I could see him scoring a lot of touchdowns this year, but being less productive on a play-to-play basis. Um, also, I think he's going to see the ball a little bit less catching the ball. I think the Pollard's a little bit more involved. And between Lamb, Gallup, and Amari Cooper, there's just there's a lot of mouth to feeds, not to mention their tight end. So a little bit down on Zeke this year, but I think once you get to 11, he's just going to get so much volume. Otherwise, you kind of have to think about taking him here. Yeah, I think – to get him in the second round makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I don't expect him to fall very far after that turn. Uh, and rightfully so. I mean, he's, he's on one of the most explosive offenses in the game. So just by nature of that and his proven volume over the years, um, he should be that pick. And I'm going to go with Devontae Adams right after that first wide receiver off the board. And I think rightfully so, man, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is definitely only looking his way. He's a target hog, monster, however you want to deem it. He's the best receiver in the game. And when Aaron Rodgers is at his best, that's when that's when uh, Devontae Adams flourishes. And I think he's earned the right to be the top receiver off the board. And taking here early in the second round, I think, is pretty good value considering you're, if you're able to get a running back in that first round. Absolutely. Uh, I love Devontae Adams here at pick 12. Uh, Antonio Gibson would be my pick at number 13. I love Gibson this year. There are rumors out there this week. I believe Kyle Allen said that he's going to have the Christian McCaffrey type role in this offense. 
okay, well, rockets went off in my head. Let's go get Antonio <laughs> Gibson here. And I actually think that if you're going to get so in, in this is the eighth pick here. So I took Kelsey first and then Antonio Gibson, like that's a perfect combo. You have RB one upside and you have the best tight end in the league. Um, I would be happy with that start basically in any league. The um, Yeah. I think Gibson's going to be in store for a uh, giant year this year. Yeah. He's one of the rapid risers and, you know, I think this, the signaling has been there since, since they drafted him that he's going to be viewed by Ron Rivera and that staff as a CMC light. And I think you're only hearing more rave reviews about how, what he's doing in the passing game, how he continues to improve in the run game. So yeah, I think he's going to be a fantasy beast this year. And um, I'm going to go Tyreek Hill with the uh, 14th pick in the second round and a uh, 14th pick overall, mainly because, He's in a contract year. He's playing with the best quarterback in football. That is Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, he's the only the second receiver to go off the board here. And I think you'll probably realize a theme just in general in redraft leagues is that these running backs are going to fly off the board. So potentially you could have a really nice wide receiver stack. If you, you wait on uh, these wide receivers here, they could just kind of fall into your lap and Tyreek Hill. We know what his upside is. I think he'll experience some touchdown regression this year. Um, just mainly because I mean, he had like what 17 last year, almost let and he did almost lead the league in, in terms of wide receivers. So, you know, to expect him to do that again, probably not, but he's still gonna have a monster year and one of the best offenses, period. Yeah, absolutely. I love Tyreek Hill, and I mean, his connection with Mahomes is insane. You can't stop him as the fastest guy in football. So, yeah. I, I you, you could do worse than uh, betting on him. Uh, pick 15, Nick Chubb, someone that I mean. The, the best running back in the league. If you're just talking about just running the football runs behind and a great offensive line may be more involved in the passing game this year. We'll see. Depends on how active Kareem hunt is, but you know, Chubb went healthy last year was, you know, a top eight running back in half PPR. So I think that he continues that this year. He's only going to get better. He secured the bag. So no worries about Chubb. I think that uh, he'll have a big year. Yeah. I'm, and next up I got Stefan Diggs. I think he's going to be the main guy once again for Josh Allen. You know, there isn't really many people to compete with targets in Buffalo. I think Gabe Davis is a great wide receiver two, three option, assuming that Cole Beasley doesn't see that much time on the field or, you know, they brought over Emmanuel Sanders, but we know he's old as hell. So, you know, this is really Stefan Diggs, Diggs is time to soak up all the targets and, you know, he's I think you could probably argue he could be in that wide receiver one overall territory, along with Calvin Ridley and, and Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. But, you know, to get him in the second round, I think that that's that's right where you want to get a mid mid second round. And he could easily be one of the most productive wide receivers this season. So my next pick is Najee Harris, and I'm a little on the fence about this. Like there are better players, quote unquote, on the board. You got a Calvin Ridley's. Right behind him, Darren Waller, Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Like, I'd be happy with any of those guys. It depends on who you pick with the first pick and how you want to address your roster. My thing about Najee is the upside of him with the amount of volume that he could potentially get and the fact that the Pittsburgh uh, offensive line has looked a little bit better in preseason and reports out of camp that they're a little bit better. But the amount of wide receivers that they have, he may not face these boxes. And if he gets 300 carries this year, I, He's going to be close to what Derrick Henry is producing. You like the value of getting a guy like this in the late second round where he can produce like a top five back. Like it's a little too hard for me to pass up a running back with that sort of upside versus uh, a DeAndre Hopkins or Justin Jefferson here. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I and the, the only thing that that kind of worries me about Najee Harris is just the strength of schedule, man. This guy's got a brutal. Brutal schedule on top of just playing in the, one of the toughest defensive uh, divisions in football. So, but you know, at the same time, he's competing with Anthony Mc, with uh, Anthony McFarland for for targets or for for uh, competition in terms of uh, running back share. So, you know, Benny Snell, we haven't really seen much out of him in the preseason. So, I think there's a, a really good chance that Najee Harris is going to flirt with you know 300 touch territory, which is exactly what you want for a running back. So I think there's a lot of upside here as well as calculated risk uh, just being in a tough division. Um, so Calvin Ridley, man, I, the slide can't go any further. I think this dude's a beast. And I don't know what the trend happened that I just wound up taking all the, 
the the wide receivers in, in the second round. But uh, yeah, the Calvin Ridley experience is real, and there's not going to be many people to compete with him. You know, it's really going to be Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage. But we saw when Julio Jones went down last year that Calvin Ridley could prove to be a wide receiver one talent. And with the Falcons projected to be only like a five or six win team, this team's going to be playing from behind all the time. So Matt Ryan's going to have to throw it a lot. And that's good news for Calvin Ridley. So I think you'll see him uh, definitely for with double digit touchdowns, as well as well over 1200 yards receiving, which should put him in very good, in very good, um, very good uh, placement amongst his uh, peers at the top of the wide receiver class. All right. Uh, second to last pick of the second round. I'm going Darren Waller. Again, the tight end value is so great. If you have a good one, he's the best receiver on the Raiders. Their defense stinks. They're going to throw the ball a lot. I think it was another big year for Waller, assuming health, obviously. But I think that him and Kelsey are far, far ahead of all, all the other ba- uh, all the other tight ends behind him, Kittle, Hawkinson, so on and so on. Yeah, can't, can't disagree with that. Um, this one was kind of hard for me. There's a toss-up between D-Hop and, and, and Justin Jefferson here. And I'm leaning D-Hop mainly just because I'm really excited for what the Cliff uh, Kingsbury, um, Kingsbury offense is really going to bring this year. And Kyler Murray, we saw his connection with D-Hop last year before he hurt his AC joint. And D-Hop was the best receiver in the league. So I think that just because A.J. Green came over and they drafted Rondale Moore, I don't think that that's really a huge threat to his target share. I don't know if he got vaxxed or not, but he's probably going to need to figure that out. But other than that, I think I feel pretty confident getting D hop, you know, all the way in the back end of the second round. You know, if that happens, like consider yourself lucky because I think the upside there is tremendous with such a a, a great quarterback and system that the Arizona Cardinals have. All right. So you took Justin Jefferson after that. Obviously, I mean, he's a stud. Uh, What are your thoughts on him this year? Stud, man. And I think, you know, BC Johnson went down with an ACL tear. So that's going to be, that's definitely going to hurt, you know, their other wide receiver corpse. And so really, you know, Adam Thielen had a ton of touchdowns last year, 14 of them to be exact. And you got to expect some negative TD regression there. And that's either going to go to probably Irv Smith or Justin Jefferson. And I'm banking on Justin Jefferson here. So to imagine you compare that 1400 reception receiving yards with, you know, 10 to 15 touchdowns, man, the sky's the limit. So, yeah, I have a lot of faith in Justin Jefferson here and feel really good about taking him early third round. BC Johnson, I mean, you're forgetting about Amir Smith-Marset, who's going to be the greatest oh. the greatest, <laughs> the greatest sixth-round rookie receiver in the history of football. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, I, I actually really like him for Dynasty Leagues, but that's about it. Uh, so my <laughs> – Second pick in the third round, DK Metcalf, for obvious reasons. I mean, he's the number one receiver on Seattle. If they let Russ cook, he has wide receiver one upside. He's got to get in the end zone a little bit more. Maybe Lockett gets injured. We'll see. Uh, But I love DK Metcalf. Taking him over A.J. Brown was was tough, but I think that ultimately, given the fact that Julio's there, that's the right decision. Yeah, good tease. And um, I I like A.J. Brown here because I think he could also – he's going to command the most targets, like even though Julio Jones is there – we know that he struggled to stay healthy. He always plays through injuries, but I think we've seen Ryan Tannehill really step up as a bona fide quarterback that deserves your attention. And now that he's got a couple a couple weapons now, you know, I don't think we'll see defenses flock to AJ Brown as much. This would actually only open up more opportunities for him in the passing game. So I'm really excited for AJ Brown this year. I think you got to grab him in the third round. All right. Next up, CEH. I think it's a bounce back year for him. Uh, I think he's gonna catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. And, you know, you get a running back that has top 10 fantasy upside in the middle of the third round. You got to pounce on it, especially if you're going to go zero RB. Like you could do worse with zero RB than having uh, CH as your number one. I guess that would be more hero RB, but not really quite. If you go, if you went like Kelsey, Calvin Ridley, CH, like I would feel pretty good about my start to my, uh, my team. So you could do worse than getting him in the middle of the third round. Definitely. And uh, next up, man, this is really tough. And I think now that I'm thinking about it and looking at who you have as the next guy, I kind of could flip CD Lamb and, and Keenan Allen here because CD Lamb, I think you're going to probably 
I don't think he's going to last in the third round, to be honest. In most redraft, <laughs> I just build so much around him, and his upside is 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 just, I mean, through the roof. So, but I, I pick Keenan Allen here, so let me defend that. Keenan Allen, year in, year out, this guy continues to deliver. He's shaken that injury prone uh, label that he had for much of the early start of his career. He's got a great quarterback in Justin Herbert, who's always going to look his way. I don't know that we can rely on Mike Williams for a full season, and either and Austin Eckler either so you know ultimately I think it's going to come down to who is the ball going to go to when they need it most for a third down and potentially for touchdowns and you're looking at at Keenan Allen there I think you can't miss he's not a sexy pick but he's he's Mr. Reliable and has a very high floor on a weekly basis I mean Keenan Allen in PPR is just an absolute monster uh the problem for him in terms of look we're talking about the best of the best right now so we're we're really picking here if you have Keenan Allen on your team great but his depth of target, like his, he averages like 10 yards. Like it's not that much. And he just needs to get in the end zone more. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Um, maybe if Mike Williams is injured, Herbert's going to be great, but they might go to Austin Eckler a lot. There's GR Cook and Donald Parham who are basically useless until you get to the red zone, who will get targets down there. Um, so it's not like Keenan Allen's going to have, you know, 14 touchdowns. So that it just limits his upside a little bit. Um, which is kind of why I would take Lamb over Allen just because, I mean, I've talked about CD at nauseum in every single podcast that we do. Like, I feel like I'm going to have to get like a CD Lamb tattoo at some point this year. Uh, <laughs> I, he's a monster, man. And, you know, you saw it in his rookie season. Dak's back. They're going to throw the ball all over the field. He's super dynamic. Uh, I, I could see drafting him in the second round. I would have no problem with that. If you said that CeeDee Lamb was going to outscore DeAndre Hopkins by 50 fantasy points, you'd be like, okay. Like, I'm not that shocked. He's going to be awesome <laughs> as long as he's healthy. So, uh, yeah, you can't take Lamb high enough for me. I don't, I don't know where that point is yet. We haven't hit it. It's getting there. It's definitely getting there. Um, so, next off, I'm going to get Allen Robinson. And I think you could also have him in that same conversation around where you're selecting Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb. Because he's year in and year out again. He's with shitty quarterbacks. This guy delivers, and you know, not with not that much help around him. I think Darno Mooney has proven to be, or at least he's at least seeming to be, one of the best opposite receivers he's had um, with him. But still, I think Allen Robinson is going to be the main the main piece of their passing offense, whether that be Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, and. You know, there's not a lot to, to really be desired there. But one thing's for sure is that Allen Robinson is going to be targeted early and often, probably going to command double-digit targets per game and and always delivers in PPR, half-point PPR. Um, would like to see more touchdown opportunities, but I think that that could happen when you have a more someone more explosive in the offense like Justin Fields. Or perhaps the team gets down and Andy Dalton just does his usual show of, I'm going to throw for 300 yards and throw three touchdowns with three picks more of the more more or less the same thing of Andy Dalton that we know all too well. But uh either way, Allen Robinson's gonna cook. Love Allen Robinson, especially if uh Justin Fields gets cooking there. Uh my pick in the third round with the ace slot, Terry McCorn, scary Terry. He's got Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's all I need to say. He's got a real quarterback who's gonna throw the ball down the field. <laughs> uh and he was already awesome last year. He's got speed, he's got great route running. Uh, it gets a couple more touchdown opportunities this year, and you're looking at a top 10 wide receiver. Uh, I think his volume is going to be insane. And, and yeah, you could do worse than taking McLaurin this season. Yeah, this offense is going to be a lot better. So I think just by the nature of that, hopefully they're going to be on the field more, not as reliant on the defense. McLaurin should 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 definitely feast. And uh, finally, I get to talk about a running back, DeAndre Swift, <laughs> next one on the board. And Really, this is about sheer opportunity, man. There's not much behind him. Jamal Williams, we know what he is. And and really, you're playing with Jared Goff, who I can't imagine he's going to be throwing the ball downfield too much because he doesn't really have many options to do that. So, you know, I really think that that leaves a lot of opportunity for, for DeAndre Swift to just be a beast here. He's going to demand the carries, and he's also going to be active in the passing game. So at this stage, you know, there's not a lot of sexy names here that are really going to give you the dual threat capability out of the backfield. So DeAndre Swift to me, just given how bad the Detroit Lions are going to be, like they're probably going to be the worst team in the, the NFL here. And so that positive game script is only going to bode well for someone like him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last pick of the third round, J.K. Dobbins. And the, the difference between Dobbins and Swift, 
uh, in terms of my rankings, very slim, even though they're very different players sharing and go about getting fantasy points in very different ways. Dobbins is going to average over five yards a carry. Every running back that goes with Lamar does. The question is, how much does Gus, Gus Edwards cut into what Dobbins has going on? Uh, I think a little bit, but if you, he's your second running back, you're in a great position. Uh, I think that he's going to have, like I said, five yards of carry, probably a 1,000 yards rushing. He'll probably have double-digit rushing touchdowns. He's not going to catch the ball much out of the backfield. So think about him as maybe like Nick Chubb light in terms of drafting him. Um, but I think that his potential is, you know, pretty high this season. Yeah, you can't you can't not bank on the uh, Ravens offense, especially at a running back. And I think you're right. The really the only question is what kind of volume is he going to see in that offense? But either way, I think we, he showed that he's going to be a very valuable piece to their offense. Um, All right, you got a back to back. You got a little DJ Moore action. Uh, do I like it? Like DJ Moore this year? He was great last year. I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to bring with Darnold and Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall there, and Chris McCaffrey's back. So that's actually why I have him a little bit further down the board than I did last year. That being said, I think that, you know, if he catches more balls this year, he makes things happen when he has the ball in his hands. This is all about scoring more touchdowns for him and then breaking off these big ones. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a solid wide receiver 10 to 15 this year. I don't think that his upside is anywhere you're going to get a top five receiver season. But I also think that, you know, he's not going to have a wide receiver 30 season either. He's going to get the ball enough where he's going to make stuff happen. And as your wide receiver two, I think he would be awesome. If he's your wide receiver one, you might be a little light at the position. That's fair. Yeah. And so next I'm going David Montgomery and you know, I, I'm surprised that he's that far down. You know, like there's a lot of people, pundits that are saying like, oh, well, the, the Bears had a great strength of schedule at the end of the season. He just took advantage of it. Well, I mean, that that's OK. You know, he, he proved that he was able to beat up on on talent, despite how easy it may have been. He produced and fantasy is about production. And this guy went for over fifteen hundred total yards last year and double digit touchdowns. So. With that kind of volume and potentially with a really uh, explosive offense when Justin Fields gets inserted in there, that's only going to help him. And there isn't much help behind him. You know, Damian Williams sat out last season due to COVID. And then you have – we haven't heard a peep from Tariq Cohen in, in a while, and he's coming off a pretty bad ACL tear. So if we're talking about volume, this guy got 300 touches last year. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't replicate that. And if you're talking value, like he's an RB – He's a solid RB2 that has RB1 upside just based off of the sheer volume that he's going to be getting. All right. Uh, next pick I have is Patrick Mahomes. And the reason that I took him here was because this is the pick that I took Kelsey with in the first round. I love that stack. If you're going to take Kelsey in the first round, I would do, you know, really, really aggressive drafting if you have to, to go get Patrick Mahomes and make that situation work. It's not that you need to if you take Kelsey in the first round. I just think that it adds so much value to your potential upside that it's something that you should consider strongly doing. Um, so that's why I have Mahomes here. If if I hadn't have drafted Kelsey there, I definitely wouldn't have taken Mahomes in this position. Yeah, at some point, someone's going to have to pull the trigger on a quarterback here. Um, so not mad at that it's Patrick Mahomes if you're going to do it. Uh, the next guy has also gotten a little bit of disrespect, and that's Chris Carson. Primarily because, you know, he's had some injury issues for sure. But I think Seattle did a great job of trying to bolster that line. They have a new offensive coordinator that should make this offense a little bit more geared towards Russell Wilson. And we see that Chris Carson doesn't always leave the field. So, you know, he's he definitely has some receiving potential there on top of his already beastly red zone looks and, and touchdown opportunities. So even if we see Russ really expand this playbook, and get the ball out to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf more often, Chris Chris Carson's still going to eat. And I think he's a really good running back here that has solid RB2 value with, with, with RB1 potential uh, certain weeks. All right, next pick I have is Josh Jacobs, someone that every single person in the fantasy community hates this season. <laughs> so, hates him. Yeah, hates him. Maybe, maybe not the best pick, but based on my projections, he still looks like he's going to have a thousand yards rushing and close to 10 touchdowns this season, even if he's not involved in the passing game. Yes, they have Kenyon Drake, but this is a team again, their defense is going to stink. He's going to be involved. He's they're going to run the ball. 
He's going to be more involved in the passing game just because he's going to be in on downs. Kenyon Drake cannot play every down. Uh, and, it, you know, all he does is produce, and when he's in the red zone, he scores touchdowns. So in the fourth round, I'm okay getting it. I'm not going to pay second-round value or third-round value, but if he drops to you, at some point you have to say, okay, every fantasy analyst doesn't like him this year, but he slid past his ADP. I have to take him. It's just good value here. Yeah, can't argue with that, man. And, uh, you know, really, I just actually just got an alert on my phone probably about an hour ago that Kenyon Drake was limping to the locker room or limping to the tent or something like that. So, oh. you know, if that if that happens, that was the insurance policy for the Raiders, and it was an expensive insurance policy. You know, that would they give him two years, $11 million guaranteed. So I think that if you look at the bag, they certainly wanted to involve him in the offense. But, I mean, just look at the sheer – I mean, he's still super young. And we know what he can do. He just doesn't, he's not that active in the passing game, but he's going to tote the rock. So just off the red zone opportunities alone, Josh Jacobs is, is still a very valuable running back. Um, so I'm going to go next. I'm going to go back to San Fran here and select George Kittle. I think that's, you know, there's been a, a whole round without drafting a tight end. So I think it makes sense to scoop up Kittle as that next tier of, of tight end here. Um, I think, you know, Kelsey and, and Waller are kind of in a league of their own. And Kel Kittle would definitely be with them if it wasn't for his health concerns. But if we're looking for the number one target in the offense of San Francisco, I'm putting Kittle still over Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel just based off his uh, pure yak potential, man. This guy gets air yards. He'll take a 12-yard a twelve-yard uh, comeback pass to the house. Um, so he's just a beast. And, frankly, he's got a really good rapport with Garoppolo. And even if this isn't Garoppolo's team for very long, I think Trey Lance will find a way to get the ball into his hands. This guy's a playmaker and should certainly be uh, the at least the third tight end off the board in fantasy redraft. All right, we got four more picks on the board. Next up, I got Mike Evans. All he does is put up 1,000-yard seasons and score touchdowns. Fourth round, wide receiver two. Great. I don't have to worry about Mike Evans ever. Tom Brady's only going to get better in the second year of the offense. Yes, they have A.B. and Chris Godwin. They got, got 18 tight ends that can all produce, but the number one guy is still Mike Evans. I have no concerns about him as my wide receiver, too, so I'll go ahead and take him here. Yeah, I think that's not a, that's not a bad pick at all. Uh, and to expect any regression, man, I don't know. Like, it seems like he's got a really good rapport with Tom Brady. He's definitely looking his way for the the end zone as well as the, the consistency. So, yeah, just to stay in Tampa Bay, I think Chris Godwin – it's hard to project both of these guys, man. They're probably going to cannibalize each other in some weeks. You know, someone might go off and then the next one, uh, the next guy goes off. But I think Chris Godwin's still going to have a really good season here. He's going to be the reliable slot receiver that Tom Brady always hit, seems to hit. You can move him all around the offense. So even, even though the Antonio Brown is there, I think there's still a lot of potential here for Chris Godwin to have a great season. In only 12 games, he had 840 yards. So extrapolate that out over over the course of a 17 game season and you're looking at another, you know, 1200 yards, potentially 10 touchdown um, type of receiver here that could easily slide as a wide receiver too. All right. Second to last pick. I'll take Julio Jones. I mean, if he's healthy, he's still one of the best receivers in football. I know AJ Brown and Derrick Henry are there and they may not throw the ball as much as they did in Atlanta, but as my wide receiver too, you could do worse than having, Julio Jones. Uh, hopefully the red zone thing comes back. Maybe he catches less passes and has less yards this year, but he scores more touchdowns. I think that's within the, the realm of possibility. So I'll take a chance on, uh, on Julio here. I like it. And to wrap it up with the Mr. Insignificant or probably still significant because we're only talking four rounds here, but <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Bobby trees, AKA Robert Woods. I think he's, I mean, he's in a good offense now. He's always been in a good offense. Just had a shitty quarterback, and he still produced year over year. And now that you got Matt Stafford into the fold with Sean McVay, with Cam Akers also out of the, the picture, this is going to be more of a throwing passing offense, even though Daryl Henderson has proven to be a capable back. I think we're going to see a really good season out of Robert Woods, considering this is probably the best quarterback he's ever played with uh, since joining the NFL. So him and Cooper Cup, I can kind of have them interchangeably, but I think they're both going to have really good seasons. I have Robert Woods as my wide receiver 15, and I think there's a chance he's a top 12 wide receiver with Matthew Stafford this year and in that Rams offense. So 
I'm with you there. Uh, that does it for this episode of the Champions Round Show. Thank you for joining us, Dan. As always, thank you for joining us and providing all your fantasy expertise. Go follow Dan and go look at his work on the Action Network. Uh, until next time, we will see you later. We'll <laughs>